How do you do, fellow kids, and welcome to Reskinned. A weekly episodic discussion of the star-studded and scandalous teen drama phenomenon of the late 2000s, Skins. This week, we'll be talking about episode six, seven? No, six. Who knows? Episode something of series one. Episode Michelle. Which is Michelle. This week, we'll have our signature drink is... signature drink is uh, a raspberry and watermelon gin liqueur. I think Michelle would approve. She absolutely would. Uh, Did you know that gin, I feel like gin is supposed to make you feel angry? Like, people talk about particularly pink gin. People talk about being angry after drinking it, so... Well, it's Mother's Ruin. Mother's Ruin. And I feel like that is very topical for this episode. Mm. (laughs) Unintentionally topical. I've also had several pints of Blue Moon at this point, because this was my first post-lockdown night out or afternoon drinking moment. So, uh, yeah. Socially distanced outside. Socially distanced, responsible outside moment. Um, So... Make of that what you will. Uh, This episode was directed by the aforementioned Minky Spyro, who we love and cherish. Did you know that Minky Spyro is a Fulbright scholar? I did not know. I did know that Minky Spyro has a great name. She has a great name. um, And she's a Fulbright scholar. The only thing I know about Fulbright scholars is that Sasha Velour from season 9 of RuPaul's Drag Race was a Fulbright scholar. Because Um, she reminds us at every given opportunity. Because she reminds us quite a lot. Um, In her lyric from Clap, the the season 9 New York Girls moment, one of Sasha's lyrics is, Yes ma'am, I'll take that dollar, doesn't really matter, I'm a Fulbright scholar. Which I'm sure Minky would be saying right now if she could. Anyway. I think uh, that Michelle uh, would be a, a, a Drag Race fan. I feel like she would, yes. Mm-hmm. Let's ask her on her next uh, podcast. Um, directed by Minky Spyro and written by Brian Elsley, who, as we know... Created the series. Created the world. With Jamie Britton. Yeah, Brian Elsley wrote the first couple of episodes as well. So this is like him coming back into the fold as a... Into the fold. So shall we get started on this week's episode? Sure. Did you notice that this episode opened with a shot of Michelle's eyes? There were quite a few close-ups of eyes. Like, quite a few of the episodes, I feel like, start with an extreme close-up of a character. I feel like they probably do, but the thing that I really noticed was that Sid's episode starts with Sid looking at somebody in the window, which is what Tony's episode starts with. And it... But Sid's episode also starts with an extreme close-up of Sid's eyes in his glasses, which is what this episode with Michelle starts with. So Sid is the connective tissue between Tony and Michelle. Michelle. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, they're all on the green outside the college, and Michelle is watching Tony messing about with the other boys. This was just... A strange introduction to the episode. Like, Michelle's just sitting there glowering as the boys are sort of tussling on the green. Yes. And then, out of the blue, she stands up, decides to march on over. Well, before she does that, before she marches over, Tony is getting close to Maxie. Like, they're sharing a fag together, which I think is a moment. And I have to admit, like, as much as that is obviously fucked up from their perspective, it's weirdly sexy. Like, I feel like sharing a fag with a boy I fancied was the closest I got to intimacy in high school. Maybe that's just me. (laughs) Thanks for joining us on on the analyst's couch. Yes. Um, (laughs) Hashtag sharing fags. Yes. Um, (laughs) Shout out to Jason Bean on this episode as well. Ah, lovely shout out to Jason Bean. One of our prized listeners. And the most sharingest of all the fags. Anyway, so Michelle comes over to confront Tony. She doesn't just confront him, she whacks him. She punches him Mm -hmm. and then she kicks him in the bollocks. And why does she do that? Because she's cross. (laughs) Because she's very cross. And she's been waiting for him to come clean to her about him and Maxie. And he hasn't. Yeah, well, on the plane journey back, on in the last episode, the Russia episode, Tony is saying, is there something I should be saying? Mm. Is there something I've done? Something I've not done? And Michelle's just frozen. Um, So obviously it's been a, a bit of a war of attrition and nothing's actually been said by Tony. He's not copped up to it. But I think the share in the fag was maybe the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, it's a bit of a repeat of that beat from the the plane on the way back from Russia. Um, So after that, Michelle goes and kind of sits on her own underneath a tree. And then Maxie comes over. 
Poor Maxie. Bless Maxie. Trying his best. But uh, just before that, though, when when Michelle kind of storms off, Maxie wants Tony to go after her. And I did kind of question who was in the wrong there. Oh, Maxie wants Tony to go after her. Yes. Like, I think Maxie knows that he fucked up, whereas Tony is not recognising that he did something that was fucked up and that he was the the sort of catalyst for that or the person that was driving that. So Jal chases after Michelle and tries to warn her. Uh, and she tells her about all the girls that Tony slept with, including Abigail. Abigail Stock. Abigail Stock. Who we, was... get, we get quite a bit of Abigail Stock in this episode. Yes. Do you think we should have seen more of Abigail Stock, though? Do you think if having an Abigail episode would have made a big difference? Abigail's just such a weird character, and I think she only really works as like a secondary character. I don't think she would have worked as a viewpoint character as part of the main cast. I mean, is there a similar character in later generations? I don't really think there is. I don't think so, but I think it's interesting because I think later on we get a bit of Abigail, and I'll probably talk about this later, but I feel like that the Abigail we see is very one-dimensional, yet we know she has a lot going on Mm. um, in terms of mental health, and that maybe having an Abigail episode would have... Um, sort of smoothed some of the edges off that a little bit, but we'll talk about that yeah. later, I'm sure. So, at this point, I did wonder whether Michelle was pushing Jal away because she accuses Jal of wanting to sleep with Tony, um, which I think she knows and we certainly know that isn't true. Yeah, Jal does like rhyme off this massive list of the girls or not the massive list, but you know, all these girls' names um, that she knows have slept with Tony. And Michelle's reaction is like, well, did you not tell me about any of this? Well, I'd like to give a special shout out to uh, another yellow jacket from Michelle in this early part of the episode. Uh, I think she's a fashion icon. She's a yellow icon. She's a yellow fashion icon. And I also would like to say that Michelle almost always carries a handbag, which I think is a real full of character thing for her. She goes purse first. She is purse first. Um, But I think that um, thinking about the girls that I went to school with that were like Michelle, maybe it's because I went to school like slightly earlier, like three or four years earlier than these kids. Um, Michelle definitely would have had a Jane Norman bag. Oh, yeah. Were you, were you, was that a thing? Was that a universal thing? Or was that a like rural Northumberland thing? Uh, No, we, we, we knew of Jane Norman as well. A Jane Norman carrier bag with all your school stuff in it. Anyway, so Maxie, while Michelle is sitting under the tree, Maxie comes over and I felt sick when I saw him coming over. I was like, poor Maxie, what are you going to say? Nothing you can say will make any difference. I think if I was in Maxie's position, I would have done that as well, though I would have gone over and I would have been said, do you, do you want to talk? And she just obviously said, just sends him away. Well, what she said, what he says is, um, sorry, I'm really pronouning out of the wazoo at this point. Uh, but Maxie, what Maxie says is, please don't tell anyone. And Michelle calls him a dirty little slut because Michelle is my problematic flavor. <laughs> problematic flavor, flavor. My problematic flavor. Uh, your favorite problematic, Michelle. Yeah, sort of slut shaming Maxie. But you can see that she's hurt in this moment. And I, I think that I've got some questions about her motivation as the episode goes on. So we'll we'll kind of talk about that. I'd like to talk about this weird Spanish guitar mu- music that plays during this first part of the episode and later on. Did you get that? I didn't actually, no. What it's, would you like to say about it? Just that it was there. Um, <laughs> it was like, um, I couldn't tell what it was about because it was like, I think clearly trying to establish something for Michelle as a character, but I wasn't quite Hmm. sure what. Well, this might be a good point to uh, acknowledge the MySpace profiles that were created for the characters. Would it? Or the MySpace style kind of things on the E4 website, in which uh, Michelle's favourite artists were listed as Stevie Nicks, Peaches and Eminem. Wow. Mm. None of which Queen has eclectic taste None of which I buy that Michelle was into Michelle's favourite CD is now That's what I call Music 47 Like I think um, Yes So after that scene They're at college And Angie's in the stock cupboard Um, Chris calls Angie On the old Nokia 3210 That was No it wasn't It wasn't It wasn't It wasn't That was the Motorola 
now you because it was which is the um what do you call it it was associated with that show with dom jolly what was his show oh um phone jacker no that's much later no not for no the uh the big it's the big phone the big phone yeah yeah hello hello hang on let me find out what that was called trigger happy tv that's the one yes it was associated with dom jolly and trigger happy tv and it wasn't the skins theme tune which you have repeatedly insisted it was. Dun, anyway. Dun, 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 dun. anyway, so the old 3210 rings uh, and Chris is calling Angie. And then Angie realised that Michelle's also in the stock cupboard with her getting drunk. And she spews raw egg all over Angie. Later on, but I want to question, where did Michelle get this enormous bottle of vodka from when she was at school and she only had her little handbag with her? She put it in her locker. Oh, okay. Yes, they do have lockers, as we we established earlier on. So Angie, I think, is a good teacher. Like, she actually cares about them. And it makes what she's doing with Chris feel even worse, I think. Yeah, (laughs) Angie is quite a complex character. Like we saw last episode that she sort of stepped in between Maxie and Anka's husband when he was trying to shoot her. And then we've seen in this bit that she's really looking after Michelle, who I think she probably has quite a lot of in common with. Yeah. You get the sense that Angie is actually a good person who is in a bit of a dilemma and has strayed from her usual... Moral code. Moral code. Yeah, so she she is quite a, a nuanced character, I think. Yeah, I like Angie a lot. I think she's a very complex character and, and an interesting character in the context of this series. I think I, I'm more interested in Angie this time around as a grown-up adult person than I was necessarily the last time around. Well, the other thing that comes to bear with Angie later in the episode as well is just how much like mixed signals are part of Angie's character. And Mm. I think that, you know, being a teacher who I guess is late 20s, early 30s and kind of isn't quite sure of herself. Yes. um, In much the same way as the characters are still kind of finding themselves, you know, the, the, the teenage characters is quite interesting as a parallel. So Michelle is sick all over Angie and then all over herself and they end up showering and changing in the staff. Yeah, in the staff changing room that we saw earlier on earlier on in the series uh, and changing into girls PE kits, hockey kits, jolly hockey sticks, jolly hockey sticks in Angie's classroom. Uh, Michelle's crying about Tony and saying, I love him so much. Is this the bit where she's like the ringtone goes off and she kind of holds up the phone and she says, he's so lovely. Yes. What did you think of that? Um, Again, it's like Michelle's, um, she has obviously invested a lot in her relationship with Tony. Yes. Um, And she doesn't want to give that away. And I think she genuinely has an attraction to something within him. Do you think she loves what her and Tony stand for? Yeah, I think she loves the, the influence, I guess. Yes. And you know he's a you know he's a teeny heartthrob and all this kind of stuff. Like she, I think she likes all the trappings of that. But as we see later on, Michelle's got quite a biased view of relationships. I think yes, given her own experience of like what her mum's relationships tend to be like. So yeah, so I think that can it it makes sense for Michelle to to have these ups and downs when it comes to Tony. to Tony. I just felt like this scene just didn't feel in character but then I was like, you know, Michelle is drunk. Like, mm-hmm. to see her sort of breaking down so wholeheartedly, this doesn't feel like the Michelle that we know. It feels mm-hmm. like she's actually a much stronger character. She's much more likely to go in all guns blazing and arguing and slapping people and kicking people in the bollocks than she is crying. Yeah, well, or more, I would say it's more that Michelle tends to be more poised. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And yes. this is her this is her vulnerability coming out, is her having a vulnerability edit, which we haven't seen so much from Michelle so far. With Angie. With Angie. Um so Michelle reveals that she knows it's Chris who's been calling Angie. Miss Angie. What <laughs> fuck up? Shut up. <laughs> Dot com. And then Chris enters shouting at the top of the top of his lungs, You want me, Angie? And it's like, is this wise? <laughs> yeah it's yeah. not maybe not the best decision but, if you're trying to keep your relationship under wraps but chris isn't he's not wise he's he's 
doesn't he's on a different level and different planet a lot of the the time they end up in the car back because angie's taking michelle home uh and there chris is in the car as well and he's being a full idiot at this point he's making jokes about how he's pleased that michelle and angie ended up in hockey hockey kits which i mean it did look a bit like a porn setup didn't it when he came into the particularly angie i have to say i did notice again and that's not necessarily my moment Yeah, it was a real setup. So Angie drops Michelle off at home, and Michelle is genuinely grateful in this moment. Mm-hmm. And I think Angie, we see that Angie's a good teacher again. Uh, but then Angie and Chris are alone, and Angie's kind of protesting and saying they can't continue what they've got and and that sort of thing. And then makes signals. She goes straight in. They have a big smooch. They stop the car in front of a bridge, and they clearly end up shagging. Well, the car is certainly rocking. Yeah, when the car is a rocking, don't come a knocking. So, with Michelle back home, we see that Tony's sort of throwing stones at Michelle's window and quoting Romeo and Juliet. What a knobhead. What a bellend. I think Tony's awful in this episode, and I wonder if it's because we're seeing him through Michelle's eyes and, and the wheels are fully off for Michelle and she's not sort of buying it at this point. Yeah. And the other person that we definitely see like Tony through the eyes of is Sid, who arrives on the scene. Yes. Um and sort of confronts Tony. And when when Tony lays out his plans, um, he's kind of broadly wants to lose Michelle and then fight to get her back. Because he says that there's nothing going on in, in the town and stuff like that. It just seems so crap. Like yeah, don't you don't you like a bit of drama, Sydney? Like that's the only thing that we've got oh. going on. It's like, mate. Although, again, that character does exist. Oh, Do you he know does. What I mean? He like, does. He genuinely does. And I think this is the most believable Tony's been actually throughout yeah. the series. Um. So Sid turns up and he punches him. Hooray! I love Sid in this moment. I loved Sid in this episode, actually. I, I have a lot of time for Sid as a character, and I just think he's cool as fuck in this episode. Um, But Tony sort of implies that he thinks he's won, but you get a real sense that Tony's starting to understand that everything's starting to unravel. Mm. Do you think mm. so? Yeah. I, it's partly how it's shot as well. Um, Tony is framed as being the idiot here, right? Like yes. for the probably for the first time in the series, I would I would think so. Yeah, there's much more emphasis put on Tony is not the guy to be rooting for and to be like identifying with. He's the villain here, and he's the idiot. Yes, and I think that's the clearest that it's been so far in this series. And maybe for some of those people that were sort of turned off with Tony being the viewpoint character for the pilot episode this might have been the point where it was like, actually, this is what they were trying to do with this character. Mm. Mm. So the next morning, Michelle is at home and she's being very disparaging towards Malcolm, her stepdad. Did you get that he was her stepdad in the first episode? Do you think that's happened in between time? I, I can't remember exactly what the di- dialogue was in uh, in the second episode, but... I thought it was her mum's boyfriend. Yeah. Um, either way, it's Danny Dyer. It's Danny Dyer. Can I just say... Young Danny Dyer was so fit. I do like young Danny Dyer. He's such a weird presence in this episode, though. He really is. I mean, we'll come to the review segment at the end of the episode, as usual. But Malcolm, as an element, is just so weird. And the rest of the episode kind of warps around him, I feel. I think so, but I've got things to say about Malcolm that will come up later. Okay. So let's let's put a pin in that. Put a pin in it. Uh, so Michelle's trying to talk to her mum, as we know, who is played by Arabella Weir. Arabella Weir. Um, but her mum's not listening. So many of the Skins' parents don't listen, which I feel is very true to being seventeen, where you feel like your parents aren't listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think they're genuinely not listening? Do you think they genuinely don't care? I think the Skins version of it is obviously really magnified. Yes. And is the hugely dramatised version of that, isn't it? Mm. I mean, we can all relate to, at points, you know, dealing with distracted or otherwise absent parents. And yeah, this is just like the cartoon version of that, isn't it? And and I would say Michelle's mum is very much a cartoon at the start of this episode, and I think she becomes much more interesting as it goes on. Yeah. Actually, that's a 
general point for this episode and why it feels a bit strange to me because it presents both the cartoon versions of characters and the or the really broad versions of characters and the more nuanced versions of them as well in the same episode and it's quite an uncomfortable fit yes i would agree so at school they all get school oh i keep saying school college they're all at college uh, and chris has a huge hickey what would you call that? Yeah, hickey. That's what we said. We would call it a sucker. A pash rash. A pash rash. <laughs> a sucker, that's what I would call it, which is the sucker. least appealing thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, Chris, I'm I would... going to get you, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> I would just like to give a special shout out to another amazing knockoff Versace top from Chris. Has he just got them all off the back of a van or he something? He really has. I mean, he hasn't got much money. Um yeah, I love it. Um, so they're all kind of having a go at Tony. Tony's got a sort of bruise on one side of his face from Michelle and a bruise on the other from Sid. Uh, and he asks if anybody else would like to have a go and just a random girl slaps him, which I think is very... There's a lot of vindication. Is that the right word? Mm. Like, there's a lot of um, catharsis in this episode of Tony getting his up a little bit. Yeah. And Chris, when all this is happening, it says it's like a fucking episode of the OC in here, which is not the first time I think that Chris sort of acknowledges that they're in a teen drama. Although Chris, we've established Chris doesn't watch TV, so. Yes, but he knows he's in a drama. Reference for him to make, yeah. So when Michelle enters, I noted that the blocking in this scene is a bit awkward because Michelle comes in and she sits next to Maxie. Although a point is made of her not wanting to sit next to Tony, but she sits next to Maxie. But yeah, it it seems a bit weird. Like, I think if I was doing this episode, I would have Michelle sit all the way on the opposite side of the room. Although that's probably quite challenging to film. Challenging, but also like maybe it's her acknowledging that that wasn't necessarily Maxie's fault. Like she knows that Tony was playing him. Yeah, I guess And the so. way that he's played her all series and, and for a long time. Mm. But the way that Michelle has been distancing herself from other characters who are kind of innocuous, like Jal, for instance, mm. um, I think it might have made more sense for her to just completely blank everybody and march to the other side of the room. That's That's true. Moot point. So Tony's giving a presentation on the role of sex in power and relationships. And Angie's like, did I set this assignment? Yeah, I like that. And I just, I hate Tony. I hate Tony in this episode. He's awful. He's a good character, but he's an awful person. Like he's a total twat. And I just feel like his plans just feel really crap, mm. like and really blatant, and like transparently like trying to play people and make people feel bad. Well, he does get a rise out of Michelle, who leaves the room. Yes, setting the stage for Miss Maxie, the ultimate line. The absolute line of all of skins. That we have quoted for years and years. Yes, we've been obsessed with this line since year dot. In unison? I lost lost my my head, head, then he he gave gave me head. head. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I want it on a t-shirt. Like, I really want this podcast to do well, specifically so that we can make t-shirts with that on it. Yeah. Send us an email or a, I don't know, tweet or something. I can't remember what we've got at this point. Um, So Angie says, anyone else want to get anything off their chest? And Chris is about to say he loves her. Um, Angie tells him to sit down. But she does look pleased. Yeah, again, the little contradictions in Angie. Love her. Uh, So Michelle's outside having a fag where she sees Abigail and a bunch of the posh girls from the private school. uh, And she confronts Abigail about sleeping with Tony. And Abigail in this scene feels unhinged. This is a much broader... Well, Abigail was already a pretty broad character and this is like next level for her. I think it's this that makes me feel like Abigail would have benefited from having an episode of her own because I think that Skins is, is of its time and is clumsy at some points with its depictions of mental health. But we know that Abigail has got stuff going on mm-hmm. and seeing her have this kind of anger in her and this quick to kind of shout mm. obscenities at people so quickly mm. um, feels like it could have been explored in a really interesting way. 
and I just think we've got the cartoon version of Abigail yeah. at this point. Um, but with Abigail sort of standing up for her and getting Michelle to go away is Josh. Who's Josh? Josh is Abigail's brother. And Michelle immediately takes a shine to him. Well, can you blame her? He's a handsome chap and he's got curly brown hair just like her. He's a very handsome posh boy. So Michelle walks away singing Three Little Maids, which I liked. And I did question whether there's a bit of Michelle that kind of likes causing this type of drama. Um, like... Are Michelle and Tony the same, or has Tony made Michelle like this? Yeah, that's a that's a good point. And I think there is something in Michelle that does this kind of lashing out stuff and like does enjoy it to an extent. And I the feeling that you get from the episode is that even in her most intense moments and in the moments where she's like downhearted or kind of angry and stuff, she's kind of enjoying holding that emotion yes like she really like causes a stushy here and then takes a step back and I feel like she does the same thing with Malcolm and her mum later on and I think that's quite interesting as characters go so Michelle is sitting on her own at this point and she's looking at photos on her phone and this just made me so sad like the titles of the photos us looking sexy. Like me and my sexy. Dot JPEG. My baby dot JPEG. And then she deletes the photos. Another Motorola moment. A Motorola moment. This did make me think about how far things have come in terms of social media mm. in such a short time. Like Skins was, like you said before, such a part of the MySpace generation. <laughs> um, there would have been, I don't think any Twitter or like... No significant version of Facebook at this point. So this kind of idea of having photos on your phone and stuff was in its infancy. And to that end, I think this episode is sort of ahead of its time in a lot of ways, particularly later on. So Tony arrives and Michelle is really wanting him to say he loves her and mean it. Michelle... Oh, Michelle, come on, get a fucking grip, girl. (laughs) Yeah. What do you make of that? Again, there's, I think there's something in Michelle that likes the drama and this, you know, the the excitement of it all. And it is the flip side of the coin of what Tony was saying in his Romeo and Juliet scene. I think they're both, to an extent, drama addicts. Yes. And I think... Michelle is further along in her journey to being a decent person, obviously. Well, not to psychoanalyze her, but Michelle... We don't know where Michelle's dad is. And there's maybe a sense that Michelle feels abandoned. Mm. And maybe things we'll come into later on about her relationship with her mum and how that kind of plays out in her own relationships. But she's maybe... She just wants to be loved, I think, Michelle. Um, And I like that about her. So, Sid is at home. And he's looking at photos of Cassie. He's not just looking at photos of Cassie. He's, uh, well, before he looks at the photo of Cassie on his computer, he's got a, like a group shot of Sid in the middle and he's got Tony and Michelle on either side. And he like really awkwardly, like, you know, on MS Paint, how you, you've got the kind of Oh, it's a full tool. MS Paint fantasy. Uh, this and scene. then he like fills in Tony, like, black he just like kind of deletes him out of the out of the picture but leaves this sort of cut out shape of him and it's the stupidest thing yes um but then we see where his heart really lies when he brings up a picture of cassie instead of a picture of sid and michelle yes and he calls her and there's a uh magnetic fields song playing over this oh yeah yeah there's a magnetic field song playing under the scene which is the one you really love oh very telling love the magnetic fields so michelle turns up to see sid at his house and she tries to get him to say that he loves her oh michelle oh michelle (laughs) come on go um and then this just transpires to be another awkward sexual encounter yes so she's here to have sex with sid do you think she's trying to get back at tony or do you think she wants to sleep with somebody that who loves her i think there's a bit of both but she's driven more by wanting to get back at tony but she also knows how much sid cares about her yes and good old sid in this moment do you think so like i love sid and like michelle's really trying to turn him on but 
he's the one that stops it. Like yeah. this is what he's wanted the whole series and and since he was twelve, I think they say, like he's wanted to sleep with her. But he knows that it's not right. He knows that this is not the way he would have chosen this to happen. Yeah. So he stops it. And he's really sensitive in this scene. Like, like sensitive in a way that I don't think we've seen Sid mm-hmm. so far. Although I did really like the little tag on the episode where, on the scene where Peter Capaldi walks in. Peter Capaldi, who is Sid's dad. Uh, and he gives Sid the thumbs up. After that, Sid's dad is walking down the stairs and he phones his ex-wife who it seems that he's sort of made friends with since she went away and didn't want to ever see him again like two episodes ago. Um, And she says, and he says that Sid isn't gay. But he says it in a way that's like, oh, hooray. And it's like, yeah, problematic. so lucky. (laughs) Problematic Peter Capaldi. (laughs) So Sid and Michelle go to see Cassie. What did you make of this vibe at the the facility that Cassie's in? It was pretty kind of Alice in Wonderland, wasn't it? Yes, like woozy music and there's lots of people with balloons. Yeah, and kind of tea party type things going on as well. Like I had this real thing where I was like, is this the way Michelle sees the facility that Cassie's in or... Is Cassie's character so strong that she's that sort of her style bleeds into everyone else's episode? Yes, I well, I, it can be a bit of both, can't it? Like this is maybe Michelle's perception of the facility, influenced by the fact that Cassie, who is the one that she's going to see, is, is there, is there, is the kind of focal point. Because this is not the facility as we saw it in the last time yeah. we saw it in the show in Cassie's episode. In that episode, we saw a man running around with no pants on and a nurse kind of... Well, we do see, like, nurses chasing people again in the background. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, So we end up meeting Cassie, and she's got a great hat and sunglasses combo. Don't want to push it. This might have been my outfit of the week. Well, do you know what was my outfit of the week? Go for it. It's going to be a joint award to both Sid and Michelle for their outfit in this scene. Sid's wearing uh, a t-shirt with like a blue hand on it. Yes. Which I thought was kind of cool and like probably the nicest thing that Sid's actually worn in this whole series. Um, And Michelle's wearing a nice sort of uh, like short jacket and a kind of gold sequin like scarf thing and bits of pieces but I just thought they both looked cool. Yes, they do. So Sid tells Cassie he's been an idiot. Has he been an idiot? Yes. He's apologising to her for what he did and how he left her. and mm. how. But he's really taking responsibility for her taking an overdose, which I don't think is necessarily fair. Yeah. Um, because we know previously that Cassie's always had uh she's always struggled with her mental health. Yeah. Um, and this is not the first time she's been in this facility. So that there is nuances there. Um and Cassie reveals that she's going out with someone else. Before she does, she asks Sid if she wa- if he wants to stroke her pussy. I hated that joke. I hated it because it doesn't work, because it's not funny. She was Keeping the cat under a blanket. Because nobody calls a cat a pussy in that sort of... If anybody was going to call a cat a pussy in that kind of context, it would be Cassie, though. It would. And it's more Wonderland vibes. Yeah. Cassie's Alice and the pussy is Dinah. Or the Cheshire cat. As you were. And Cassie's new boyfriend is played by... Uh, James Buckley, who is Jay from The Inbetweeners. Yes, our favourite show. (laughs) (laughs) So, Michelle, meanwhile, Michelle has gone to sort of help herself to a tray of cakes. To really garishly iced cakes in primary colours. More Alice in Wonderland stuff. And she finds that Josh works at the facility and he and Michelle have a good old flirt. And then he invites Michelle for a coffee and he says, tomorrow midday, and he says the place, which I really liked. Like, I liked that he specified a time and a place because people often don't do that on television. And that's what we had to do before social media. Um, so at Michelle's, back at Michelle's, Malcolm's bought a load of bongo dongo dogs. And this whole storyline of Malcolm being a kind of Del Boy figure and buying what looked like to me really garish, ugly garden ornaments is really weird yeah when the scene it first cut to that um shot of the 
packages mm. uh, arriving in the house and there's a, a one has a prominent sticker which says crazyfigurines.net I was like okay I didn't remember this aspect of it at all me neither I wonder if crazyfigurines.net is a real website and also I want to buy a bongo dongo dog if you are a crazy figurine or a bongo dongo dog <laughs> feel free to email us at reskinpod at gmail.com so Michelle's mum arrives and she's raging about these bongo dongo dogs because she has clients coming around and she appears to be some sort of interior decorator yeah she says that you know the clients need to see her taste in plush furnishings or something mm. along those lines and she lines. does have a very nice house she does um but it's just full of crates of bongo dongo dogs at the moment it is so malcolm and michelle's mum argue uh, and it seems like things are sort of falling apart with them. But then Michelle's mum comes upstairs and wants Michelle to apologise to Malcolm. More mixed messages and more mixed signals from... Mixedmessages.com. Mm. Michelle comes down and she says, uh, I should never have said you have a big cock. Um, and there's a real look in this moment and it's so teenage girl. Like, it's like I love it. Like, it's like... Um, she really knows she said something really scathing and clever. Like, um, I I don't think this is the best episode of Skins, but... April- what? <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, but April Pearson's performance in particular is great. I love I her. Think. I, I think, think she's, she's so really, good. Really, good. Um, there are some other really good performances in this episode as well, but I think that she really makes that character work. Yes. So Michelle gets dressed and goes off for her date with Josh and they're having coffee. Josh talks about his mum and he says she's a basket case. Hmm. Take that, mental health representation. Um, But he's being really nice to Michelle and he talks about how his mum analyses him and how he's on a lot of drugs. Yeah, is that... That doesn't sound like it should be... Good practice. No, your mum shouldn't yeah. be your analyst, actually. Yeah. yeah, that's really bad. But he's really good at getting Michelle talking. Yeah. He's a real posh boy and he is a real wanker, do you think? Definitely. But he's got that sort of soft-spoken voice and he's quite charming. And he is very charming. You know, he's, he's got Michelle around his little finger. As they leave the coffee shop, because they're going to go for a proper drink, uh, we see that Tony's been spying on Michelle. Like... Friggin' with a newspaper up over his I face. I mean, it's full Poirot moment. <laughs> Love it. Like, wig and funny glasses spying on her. Uh, so Tony goes to meet Abigail. Uh, and Abigail says that she thinks Michelle is a chav. Come, come, Abigail. Yeah, problematic. Like, we really, I really get the sense that Abigail does not see Michelle as a threat, even though she's Tony's actual girlfriend. Yeah, Abigail's kind of obliviousness to everything else that's going on that's not in her immediate sphere of influence is, um, yeah, she just would have made such a bizarre character to focus an episode on, I think. I would have loved to have seen it. I wish I knew what it was. Mm. Uh, So Tony gets Abigail to come and take some photos. I feel like this whole plot is weirdly ahead of its time, but it would have been handled very differently now. So Tony's getting Abigail to take dirty photos, basically, and we'll see why. Uh, fairly soon yeah this way of doing this plot like this really convoluted plan of tony's Mm -hmm. just falls apart completely when you think about it like the number of variables where it's like this had to happen and this had to happen it's like this wouldn't work in real life but like you said if this store this kind of storyline was done today um, and the kind of revenge porn angle mm-hmm. could have been dealt with in a more concise way, I think. But because of the limitations of technology, I suppose, at the time, yeah. it had to be a lot more roundabout. So Michelle is at home and we see that her and Josh have slept together. Um, I love Michelle's fluffy pillows in this moment. And we have some very similar fluffy pillows in our living, living room. Um, but they felt very Michelle. Did you even notice them? I didn't notice the pillows. Oh my say. God, I am gutted. Um, she's still insecure about her tits because of Tony. Like she asks Josh, mm-hmm. what, do you think one boob is bigger than the other? Is that what she says? Yeah. And then we see that Josh is taking pills And Michelle tells him he should try not taking them. Michelle, how many times? Problematic, fave, (laughs) but problematic. But we will see that pay off. 
in the future, I think. Mm. When Michelle comes downstairs, we see that Malcolm is leaving. Oh, Poor old Danny Dyer. Um, so he leaves a dog to remember him by. And then Michelle just smashes it. She does. She does have a cruel streak. Uh, again, it's think... her loving the drama. I she think loves it's... drama, but she's got a real cruelty yeah. to her. I love her. I think she's brilliant. Um, as a As a... Also, messy bitch who lives for drama. I like this show. This scene is so weird, though. Again, the tone of it, because Danny Dyer is playing it pretty straight and pretty seriously. And, like, Malcolm is a character that we are meant to empathize with in this moment. Do you think so? Yeah. There's just something about the way that he's playing it where it, it does feel like he's trying to tug on the heartstrings a bit whereas Michelle's like absolutely not well I thought they were going to do a thing where Malcolm would come on to Michelle like that Michelle and Malcolm are probably as close in age as Michelle's mum and Malcolm uh okay and I felt like Malcolm was going to kind of come on to Michelle or like fancy Michelle or something like that and I really I'm really glad they didn't do that I'm glad they didn't do that, but I think there is a sort of subtext thing. Like when Michelle comes over to him in a bar later on, sorry, spoilers for later in the episode, but I don't know, it does feel like there's a weird kind of chemistry between the two of them. And again, I wonder if that feeds into why this scene feels so strange. Mm. But I really prefer Michelle and her mum as this unit yeah. um, rather than Michelle and Malcolm and, and Malcolm and her mum as a sort of weird triangle. Yeah. Um, so Tony gets Josh's phone. He gets somebody to nick Josh's phone. Again, part of the plan that feels quite convoluted. Um, and he uploads the dirty pictures of Abigail to it. From his PC. From his PC. Oh my God. From the old desktop. Yeah, he's, like the shot of him like connecting the phone with a wire to the computer was just pure Victoriana. Yeah. Um, Michelle, meanwhile, has been for a drink with Josh. And she's doing the you know how to whistle thing with him. But Josh kisses her. That's... You, He was supposed to just put his lips together and blow. Exactly. But I really like this moment because it feels like Michelle has had to be this sexualized person for Tony. Mm. Like he literally calls her nips. He reduces her Mm. to her sexual... Yeah. What do you call those? Body Her erogenous zones. Her erogenous zones. Wow. And Josh kind of treats her right. Like he's nice to her. He's the... He's what she was maybe looking for from Sid. Like he's... Not necessarily someone who loves her, but someone who treats her like a person and like a nice person. He even pays for the taxi home. What a gem. The true sign of treating someone like a person. (laughs) But when Michelle's in the taxi... She gets a text from Josh's phone and it's Abigail with her legs akimbo. Yes. This image feels really weirdly tame. Like, after seeing stuff like Euphoria, and, like, I think we've, like, moved so far ahead of this sort of thing in the last decade. But again, at the time, especially working with young actors, and there wasn't any way that you could... No, no. ...convincingly, or, um, you know, even tastefully do something like that I think you know they did probably the most risky thing the that they could afford they, they, could, they do. could do yeah and also Abigail is Josh's sister and it is weird yeah um but Michelle cries over these photos and I wasn't quite sure why um I get I may it's maybe disappointment mm. um is the main thing here because Although we said she loves the drama, that can get exhausting. And maybe she was warming up to the idea of, oh, well, here's just somebody nice. Yes. And uh, that's been, you know, the rug's been pulled out from under her. And also, for the second time in this episode, Michelle has been for a drink, and that's when she cries. Mm. Which suggests to me that, like, having a drink pulls down some of the barriers for Michelle. Well, if she was on the raspberry and watermelon... Can't relate. She would have been (laughs) bawling her eyes out. So Michelle calls Jal, who's at at college, uh, and Jal doesn't get it. Because Michelle is essentially calling Jal. The last thing Jal knew is that Michelle had had an argument with Tony and then an argument with her. 
And then Michelle's gone and had this sort of whirlwind romance. Like, we should seriously do a tally. Like, how many times when a car- one character is on the phone, how many times is Jao going to be on the other end? Because yes. Jao just seems to be the emotional problem solver for... She is. She's the counsellor. ...everybody in this show. I mean, who... I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> But I feel like Jal is all of us in this moment yeah, where yeah. she's like, I genuinely don't know what you're talking about, but I'm sorry. And at the end of the phone call, I fucking loved it. Jal's like, oh, babes, you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Beep! <laughs> so Michelle goes home and she's talking to her mum and you get a real sense of the history they have together here, I think. Mm-hmm. I think these two actors are great together. Arab- uh, Arabella Weir. Arabella Weir and April Pearson. Um, Again, I mentioned this on the uh, Cassie episode, I think, but I think they're, she's really, they're really well cast, the pair of them as mother mm. and daughter. Um, there's a real family resemblance, but just the dynamic between them as well is really lovely. Yes. They've got a lot in common as well. Yeah. Like these two characters, they clearly have a really terrible taste in men, both of them. Arabella Weir, who's Michelle's mum, says, I'm too loud, too impatient, too clever. And I know this woman like mm-hmm. so many times over. Like she's so real. And I think I hadn't appreciated that when I watched it when I was younger. I think watching it now, we don't get a lot of Michelle's mum, but we get enough of her to know that she's we get enough of a sense of her that she's a real person to me. like. Yeah. And this scene in particular really brings home... This feels a lot more naturalistic, I think, this scene. Yes, yes. Compared to the, the really heightened stuff earlier on. The very broad, cartoonish version of this woman we got earlier on. Yeah, but we do get a reference smuggled into Does My Bum Look Big in This? Yes. She's got a big bum. Who doesn't have a big bum? But does her bum look big in this? Yes. And that's great. (laughs) Have some fucking, I don't know, self-respect, whatever. (laughs) So Michelle goes to good old Ronnie Faser's bar. It's back. It's back, back, back with a vengeance. Yes. so is Jal. Uh, And Jal, in this scene, apologises to Michelle, whereas I feel like Michelle should fucking apologise to Jal for putting her through whatever she's put her through in the episode. And I've been watching this whole fucking series and I don't even understand what's going on at this point. (laughs) And Michelle talks about Josh taking beaver shots of his own sister. A beaver shot. Dressed in beaver. A dressed in beaver shot. Michelle ends up at the bar with Malcolm. Who is spinning his wedding ring. Yes, and he misses her mum. Again, a just a strange scene, like... Did you get a sense that there was, like, a chemistry between them? I did not get that, I have to say. Uh, no, I, I, maybe it's just me trying to rationalise how strange Malcolm is as a presence in this episode. He's such a liminal zone. He's almost an Angie, and I think that's why mm. I was expecting him to come on to Michelle. Yeah, because Danny Dyer was known, like, when this was, like, he was he was famous. Like, he's obviously yes. become more famous since then. But He's become a brand since then. He's become Danny Dyer. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like kind of a shame that we didn't see a bit more of him. Yeah. Well, who knows where he pops up again. Michelle's about to let him have it, um, but I think it's this moment where she sort of decides to be different and to do the right thing. Uh, And she tells him, you know, she kind of tries to help him get her mum back, but tells him, don't let her down again. But that also reflects Michelle going back to Tony again and expecting things to be different. Ah, but Michelle goes back to her house with with Danny Dyer uh, and and sends him in and then Tony turns up outside the house and he's so sleazy in this whole moment and Tony tells her he wants to get back to normal. He's like lost everything at this moment. But she wants him to say, I love you. But what does he go for? Well, what does he go for? I think I might love you. Ugh, I hate you, Tony. And Michelle is so good in this in this scene. Like, yeah, Tony thinks he's perfectly calibrated it, like that statement. So yes. that he's kind of saying I love you, but not. And just giving it enough to, you know, that little bit of wiggle room. But Michelle is not having it. She is my problematic fave and a feminist icon. I can't believe that 
Michelle invented feminism only 10 short years wow. ago. <laughs> um, Michelle wants Tony to beg. Does he beg? He does. He gives it a good go. Nah. But she leaves him anyway. Yay, Michelle. Good old Michelle. We got there eventually. Did you like this episode? Uh, I didn't love it. Obviously, it was less weird than the Maxi and Anwar episode <laughs> and the whole Russia excursion. Um, it felt like it should have been a, like a solid standard episode like the Sid episode was or the Jal episode, um, but it didn't feel maybe quite as well balanced as those ones. Yes. Um, but there were a couple of scenes that I really did like. And again, April Pearson's performance and uh, the scenes where she's, or that particular scene where she's cuddled up with Arabella Weir and they're having a heart to heart. That was really nice. Um, and I want to, you know, I want to see more of that from Skins. Me too. I think this episode has to do so much. Mm. Like it has to sort of pay off or move along quite a lot of plots that we've had throughout the series. Yeah. And set quite a lot of stuff up for the next two episodes or the Mm -hmm. last two episodes. I feel like it's interesting that it's Michelle as a character that has to sort of carry that. Yeah. In her episode where previous, um, like people like Cassie and maybe Sid and certainly Chris and Chow haven't had to do that. Yeah. Um, and with Michelle being one of the more complex characters as well. Yes. Um, yeah, like you're saying, it's quite a few plates to keep spinning. There whilst... is a lot spinning in this episode yeah. and I think it does it as well as it can. Okay. But it's not, it means it's not a standout episode of Skins. I also think like similar to Sid, Michelle is quite a grounded character so it doesn't feel, apart from that one scene with Cassie which feels very sort of weird and anomalous, the episode feels like it's set in a real world so it doesn't have that kind of heightened sense a yeah. lot of the time. So it's decent. Yeah. B plus. Mm, C from me, I think. Oh my God. We're not giving ratings. We're not giving ratings. We're not a college. Um, So. Where can people find us on the internet? People can find us at reskinnedpod on Twitter. Uh, Tweet us, DM us, do whatever you like. Or they can send us an email, reskinnedpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Um, Please join us next time for Effie. Effie. Bye! <laughs> I got off with Tony on the Russia trip. I only did it because I fell out with Anwar when he said he hated gays. So I got upset. And Tony said he'd give me a head to cheer me up, you know. And I, and I didn't mean anything, but I lost my head. And then he gave me head. And then we got the porter from Russia. And I'm really, really sorry for being a slut, okay?